So the reading's taken from Nehemiah, chapter 3, verses 1 to 12, and can be found on page 485 of the Church Bibles. Builders of the Wall Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zucker's son of Imri built the next, next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassaniah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Mermoth, son of Uriah, son of uh, Hakoz, repaired the next section. Next to him, Meshalem, son of Becherah, and son of Meshelbel, made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, son of Barna, also made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of Teko. But uh, their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. Then Jesahana, gate was repaired by Joida, son of Passa, and Mushalem, son of Besoda. They laid its beams and put its doors with their bolts and bars in place. Next to them, repairs were made by the men of Gibeon and Mizpah, Melita of Gideon and Jonah of Maranoth, places under the authority of the governor of Trans-Euphrates, Yaziel, son of Hariah. One of the goldsmiths repaired the next section, and Hanah, uh, one of the perfume makers, made repairs to the next to that. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Raphiah, son of Hur, ruler of the half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section. Adjoining this, Jediah, son of Harumpha, uh, made uh, repairs opposite his house, and Hatush, son of Hashabneh, uh, made repairs next to him. Malkajah, son of Harim, and Hashib, son of Hathath, Moab, repaired another section, and the Tower of the Ovens. Shalom, son of Halonesh, a ruler of the half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. Thanks be to God. Well, a huge thank you for that reading. Uh, it was read at uh, my home church a couple of weeks ago because we're also doing Nehemiah, and it got a round of applause, so I think we should give our... Uh, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> I'm very glad I don't have to read it. Uh, uh, my name's Biddy, and um, <clears throat> I spent over 20 years working uh, with OMF in East Asia sent out by Above Bar Church um, in Southampton, where I've come from today. Well, Southampton I've come from today. I spent much of my time uh, training Dayak young people to become teachers of Christian education, and they then went out to work in the uh, villages and towns across uh, central Kalimantan, where I was working. That's Indonesian Borneo for, for Brits. Uh, Brits tend to know... Um, Borneo, but not Kalimantan, so that's where it is. Um, <clears throat> so I'm delighted, therefore, to be here this morning, invited to speak to you on, uh, as a representative of, of OMF, along with Alan. 
Um, because OMF is, uh, as um, many of you know, one of the agencies, the mission agencies that St. Jude supports. And um, you support OMF uh, specifically through Rod and Glenda Thomas in Japan. And this week, uh, Rod and Glenda <coughs> wrote, knowing that uh, I would be with you this morning. And this is what they said. We are very grateful for St. Jude's partnership in the gospel until now. And we pray that God is richly blessing you and all that you are, and that you are seeing increasing numbers of people come to services. That prayer is being answered, isn't it? Thank you for your prayers and wonderful support. And then they go on to say, every time we go to the Hitokito, Hitokita house, uh, we give thanks to God for St. Jude's kind donation, which has made it possible to reform it, and we're planning on starting English classes and a prayer meeting there soon. So St. Jude's working together in Japan through Glenn, uh, Glenda and Rod Thomas. And uh, indeed, I know you're working in all sorts of other places. You are working in all sorts of other places through your mission partners. And of course, that is the title of today's service, Working Together. And I thought, what better passage could we be looking at than Nehemiah chapter 3? I'm not sure the person reading it thought that, but um, uh, it's a, a wonderful chapter of all these amazing names. But it's a bit more than that, I think. So, uh, working together, Nehemiah chapter 3. Thank you. Um, and I'd like to look at this chapter in just three very simple headings. Uh, that's the mission, the vision, and the workers. Now, I'm sure it hasn't escaped your notice. In fact, there are probably many people here who, in their workplace, or when you were in a workplace, had <coughs> a mission and vision statement. Uh, yes, did you have vision and missions? Yes, I've got a few nods, that's right. No self-respecting organization or enterprise doesn't have its mission and vision statement. Um, it can be helpful, it tells us what our overriding aim is and um, how we, hopefully, how they're going to go about achieving it. So what was Nehemiah's mission? What was his overriding aim? And it seems to me that we have clues here, big clues here, in uh, the first verse of chapter 3, and again in the last verse, which we didn't quite get to, didn't subject our reader to the whole of the chapter, uh, but in verse 32. <clears throat> verse uh, 1 tells us that Eliashib the high priest and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. And uh, it seems that they got round to the sheep gate again, in verse 32, uh, because um, the sheep, uh, it says, and between the room above the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and merchants made repairs. So I think they'd, they'd got all the way around by then. Uh, so the um, priests and their, uh, the high priest and the, the other priests were involved in building the wall, starting the building of the wall. And they started at the sheep gate. Now, I don't think that was accidental because the sheep gate was the gate nearest to the temple. And of course, that's where the sheep came through to be sacrificed on the altar in the temple, or had been when the temple was there. 
And so um, I, I think that this to me is, is a, a real picture of the fact that starting this work was beginning with the, the priests, beginning with these godly leaders, but it was also saying, it says to me that actually building a wall, building this wall, was just as important or was giving God just as much glory as it was bringing those sheep in uh, to <coughs> sacrifice. It was all done to glorify God. Now, I don't think Nehemiah would have had a mission statement, but I think if he had, it, it might have gone something like this. To bring glory to the one true God in Jerusalem and throughout the known world. You see, I think it's very clear that Nehemiah's overriding ambition was to bring glory to God. And uh, OMF, <clears throat> being a good mission, has a mission statement. And OMF's mission statement, like every other mission organization, says <laughs> what it's planning to do. We plan to share the good news of Jesus Christ in all its fullness with East Asia, and I think that probably should say, and South Asia's peoples, to the glory of God. The overriding mission uh, in OMF is to glorify God. What about us? What about us here in St. Jude's, here in Southsea, or us in Southampton, just up the road? What is our overriding aim? What is our mission? Well, it's not, uh, you have a slide, it's not to make our churches great or our names great. Our mission is to glorify God. If we don't start there, then we're going to get nowhere. Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor will labor in vain. It has to start with God and with bringing glory to God. So I'd suggest that like Nehemiah, our mission statement, you may have one in the church, but based on this Nehemiah passage, it might be something like, we share the good news of Jesus Christ in all its fullness, wherever he puts us to the glory of God. That's all very well, but that's a bit general. How are we going to do it? How was Nehemiah going to do it? So what was his vision? How was God going to be glorified? And how were God's own people, the Jews, going to bring glory to God? And how were the surrounding nations going to bring glory to God? We read in chapter one, and I think if you were here uh, two or three weeks ago, uh, you would have been reminded of how the walls of Jerusalem had been burned down. The city was in ruins. It was a disgrace. Where was God? This was not a witness to God's people. God's special dwelling place, Jerusalem, in ruins. So the walls needed to be rebuilt in order to give identity to the people, to Israel, to uh, God's own special people to give them security with their walls built around them, and to demonstrate that the God of Israel was still alive, that he was still looking after his people. This was an important project to glorify God. 
Nehemiah's vision was to see a secure city surrounded by strong walls, defending it from danger and demonstrating and prospering his people. We get a hint of this uh, when the walls were completed in chapter 6 and verse 16 where we read, when all our enemies heard about this, that's the completion of the walls, and all the surrounding nations saw it, our enemies lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. The nations saw that Israel's God was at work and the, will, the walls had been rebuilt. So I think Nehemiah's vision might have been something like, we build the walls of Jerusalem to the glory of God for the blessing of the city and as a witness to the surrounding nations. And ONS, likewise, has a vision statement. Our vision statement tells us that through God's grace, we aim to see an indigenous biblical church movement in each people group of East Asia, evangelizing their own people and reaching out in mission to other peoples. If you'd like to know more about it, there's not time to elaborate it on now, but do chat to Alan or myself afterwards, and we'd love to tell you more about how OMF is doing that. But what about us again? What is our vision? How is God going to be glorified here in Southsea, in, uh, in Hampshire, in Britain, across the world? How are we going to bless the city and witness to the nations? How are we starting to rebuild? Well, I think this is a most exciting time. As we come out of the pandemic and as we begin to uh, build again, rebuilding. We see that God is continuing to build his church. His word tells us that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. COVID will not prevail against God's church. Now, I know we're not physically rebuilding the walls, but there's a lovely verse in Isaiah that tells us, Isaiah 60 verse 18 says, you will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. We are co-workers with God, building God's kingdom, building the church here where we are, here in Southsea, bringing God's love to the people around us, showing that we've got a God who is still alive, who cares for the poor, the needy, the homeless, those struggling with health issues, with financial problems, those refugees, asylum seekers, newcomers to our city, to our country, to our town. We are called, aren't we, to build the walls of salvation, to show and tell the people of, God, that of a God who loves them and who is still very much alive and at work. A God who loves us so much that he came in human form as the man Jesus and lived amongst us. Then he died, paying the price for all our failures, all the ways we've messed up, what the Bible calls sin, taking our punishment. For all of that, 
so that there's nothing left to pay, nothing left to do. We're free. The price is paid. Jesus has done it all. Now, isn't that a glorious message to proclaim? Isn't that exciting that we've got that good news to share? And that we've got the freedom here in this country to share our good news. And it's not just here in South Sea or even just in the UK. It's a global project. God wants us to have a global as well as a local vision. To see that he's building the walls of his kingdom, <clears throat> not just here, but all over the world. In fact, we know that the church is growing much faster in other parts of the world. So a vision statement for us might be something like, through God's grace, to be fellow workers with God, building the walls of his kingdom, locally and globally. But none of this can happen without the most important element, the people, the workers. We couldn't build a wall. Nehemiah couldn't build his wall without the people. And that's where we come to this lovely list of names uh, of those that uh, God used to, through Nehemiah to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And notice, as we look through this, there are some lovely things to notice here, I think. I think, first of all, I think we can have the slide that the people were, I've got the word, okay, they were, they were unique. God, God knew them all. Nehemiah or somebody seems to have known them all and recorded their names. Isn't that amazing? Everyone's name is here, either their personal name. We've got uh, Eliashib and we've got... Um, um, oh, all sorts, well, there's so many, aren't there? Um, Merimoth or Merimoth and Meshulam and Zadok, we've got them all there. And all the names as we go through. Individuals, unique individuals, known to God and known to uh, whoever was recording this. Nehemiah, probably. Uh, or maybe people recording it for him. Uh, and uh, they were a united people. They had all sorts of different skills. They were um, people from different backgrounds. We've got the, pri the priestly classes. We've got the artisans, the administrators. We've got uh, craftsmen. We've got all sorts of different people involved here. And yet they were united in the task. And it must have been. They were urgent in it. They must have been. They must have been urgent and unstinting. This board, this wall, all around the city of Jerusalem was rebuilt in 52 days. Wow, it'd be good if we could get our workmen working that fast, wouldn't it? Um, 52 days and they've completed it. But they were absolutely focused on this project. They were united, urgent, unstinting. And also, they're a bit unconventional, or maybe that one should have said a little bit uncomfortable. Because if you noticed, we've got people here building walls who are certainly not used to building walls. We've got um, goldsmiths. We've got perfume makers. I don't know how much wall building they had been used to doing, but they're here doing it. And we've even got women doing it. Mm, right. Uh, so there we are. They're all involved, working uh, away with this urgency, working their metaphorical socks off in order to get this wall completed. But some of them were given a task 
right near where they were. They weren't asked to do the unusual or the unconventional. They were asked to build the wall just opposite to where they lived or next door to them. Uh, they were working together. They were all working, united, one person next to the other, next to them, next to them, next to them. But some of them, it was closer at hand. It was where they were actually living. And doesn't that encourage us? This great band of workers, a real mixture, all working away for the glory of God, building these walls. So what's your part? What's my part in this great wall-building enterprise that God has called us to? Well, no matter how old or young we are, no matter what our social class or profession, our gender, our background, our training, I think this encourages us to see that there is a place for each one of us. Everybody has got a place in building these walls of salvation today, in our day and generation. But it's not something to be undertaken in our spare time. Well, if I've got time, I, I just might, yeah, do something, join this group or pray here or join that prayer group. No, this is an urgent task that takes every single one of us. Everyone is needed working together. There can be no nobles of Tekoa here in uh, St. Jude's or in any of our churches. Did you notice them in verse 5? Okay, most of the people were united, but the, men, the next section, it tells us, was repaired by the men of Tekoa. But their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. I think they thought that they were above them, that this was not something they were prepared to do. We can have none of those in our rebuilding program as we come out of COVID to rebuild God's kingdom here in Southsea, here in Hampshire, in UK, across the world. We've all got to be involved. We've all got to be part of it, working together. Maybe some will be called to move out of our comfort zones, to go somewhere strange or to do something completely different, like those poor goldsmiths or perfume makers building walls. But some may be called, maybe most of us, to do the more obvious thing, to look to the person next door to where you live, across the road, to be doing something that God has been preparing you for, maybe over the years, building your wall right next to where you live. But wherever it is, if God is calling us, let's do it. And let's do it together. Just as there was no way that the, the very gifted, courageous, spiritual, faithful Nehemiah could have built those walls on his own. I mean, it's ludicrous, isn't it? Well, why do we expect Adam and Neil and your leaders to build the walls on their own? No way. They need us all. Everybody has to be involved, working together so that God's kingdom here and throughout the world can be rebuilt, go on being built by God's grace to God's glory. We need each other.
working together, we, as part of God's global workforce. So is your mission, we have it up again, and my mission to share the good news of Jesus Christ in all its fullness. Notice that, that's important. Yes, we do have to go and tell, but as we heard earlier, OMF and many other missions are involved in all sorts of other work, uh, missional business, in teaching, in medical work, in as all sorts of different spheres of service. So to uh, share the good news of Jesus Christ in all its fullness, wherever he puts us, to the glory of God. And is your vision, is your uh, overriding concern through God's grace to be fellow workers with God building the walls of God's kingdom locally and globally. My prayer is that is, that is our vision, our mission as we go forward in these coming days. Amen.